All right, Psalm 130. Psalm 130, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms, which is a book of songs. These are literally songs. And again, as we read our Bibles, we can just get in the habit because most of it is history, real-life stories, facts. But in the book of Psalms, we want to remember that these are literally songs that are theological, the historical, uh, based on many of them te- talk about feelings and emotions. And, and some of them are like, eh, I don't know if that's doctrinally correct, but they didn't have the whole word of God. So we don't want to blame anybody, but we do want to be reading the whole word of God so we make sure that we have everything doctrinally aligned, doctrinally aligned. And so we're in Psalm 130. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we do pray for the Evans family. Lord, we ask that you bless them as uh, they are going to church this morning without their dad, without the pastor at the helm, so to speak. And so, Father, we ask that you bless them, encourage them, strengthen them during this very difficult time. And also for the Casillas, Lord, the family, thank you for Francis and that she's rejoicing at the throne of God with David and the millions and millions and millions of other saints. But we still have to work through the emotions on this side. So bless the Casillas family. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. And we pray for both of these memorial services that people will come to know Jesus, that the word will be taught, exhorted, and that people will truly come to know who Jesus is, that he is God, not just a great prophet, not just a good teacher. He is God. So, Father, we thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning as we enter your word. Help us to, even as we sang, help us to surrender to trust, to love, to have that commitment, to love your word so that we might have that peace that surpasses understanding. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Something's going off. Something's going off. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, listen to me when you can have your own audio. Just put the button. Who cares? The rest of you, check your phones. (laughs) I leave mine in my office. The Song of Ascents. The Song of Ascents. So let's remember that it's the three major feasts. The pilgrims, the Israelites are heading to Jerusalem as they're heading there. They're singing these specific songs as well as other songs, but these were specifically for uh, that time of celebration. They were put together after the Babylonian captivity. So in the 500s BC, they were collected. They weren't all written then, as you'll see. So we're going to see one this morning that David wrote. And we know that David lived 1000 BC. So this song is going to be 3000 years old. And so you want to just know that and you can get other CDs for more history and you can obviously do your own studying. But that's a quick background. And so in Psalm 130, a person cries out to God in repentance. We don't know who wrote this. But God lovingly forgives. We have a slide here. And for the believer specifically. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I don't, I don't really like the word Christian. Because people are now knocking on our doors from the Mormon wards. And they're saying, hi. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian too. 
And then you have to explain to them what a Christian is. And so that's very, very important. So you have to be very careful nowadays with Christian. Because if you're born in America, many people think, well, I was born in America. Of course I'm a Christian. No, you're not. So a believer is a person who is a, we're all sinners, but they've acknowledged, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. So if you're here this morning, and you have never received Jesus as your Savior, you know about him in your head, and you've heard about him in the Bible, and you've been to church many, many times, but you don't know for certain, this is how you will know, that if I took my last breath right now, I would take my first breath in heaven. If you don't know that, then you're most likely not saved, so you're an unbeliever. So specifically for the believer, when we cry out to God in our times of trouble and distress, he will always be there to help. He will. And this is why you want to read from Genesis to Revelation, because you can even read some things in the Old Testament, if you're not careful, where you can go, I wonder if, if God even hears me. I wonder if he even cares. Why bother following him? Look what's happening in my life. That's because you're not reading the whole Bible. And as you read the whole Bible, you'll come to understand it rains on the just and the unjust. And that God will work all things together for the good as you follow him. But you have to be a believer. You have to be a son or a daughter. God has no stepchildren. He has no grandchildren. You're either a son or you're a daughter or you're an unbeliever. And so as we look at the psalm here this morning, a believer says this, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Notice the exclamation point. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities or should count my sins or anyone's sins, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared or reverenced, reverenced. You see, the psalmist cries out from the depth of his soul. And today we would use the phrase from the, the bottom of my heart. You know, it's that seat of emotions, that, that place that real feelings of joy and sorrow for others come forth. You know, it's not just the mental state of joy or sorrow, but it's the physical state as well. And notice he cried out to the Lord and he acknowledged that it wasn't because of his rightness or righteousness that he was able to stand before God. It was because of God's forgiveness. And so often people will not become, will not come to God. And I was born and raised in a religion with a very unhealthy fear of God. That when you did wrong, boy, you better be really careful coming before God because you don't know how he's going to react. He might just slap you upside the head and send you down the aisle. That's not biblical. It's not true. So I had to debug the program. And that it's not about my rightness. It's about his forgiving. But I do need to be right with him. And I should seek after being right with him. So again, always find the balance in the scriptures. Who could ever stand before the Lord? You see, the word tells us there there's no one good enough. No, not one. And again, if you're here this morning trying to be religious, trying to punch the clock so that you can get in good God's good graces, it doesn't work. You will never be good enough. It's impossible. You have to have never sinned once 
And everybody has done that. You just might not remember it, but you've done it. And those who think they will, God will open his book on Judgment Day and show them otherwise. You see, without the blood of Christ covering your sins, all their sins will be brought before them and they will be pronounced guilty. Guilty. And, and I'll use this analogy. You've, many of you have heard this often. And, you know, my Bible here, let's just say that this is the book of judgment and that these are all my sins because God keeps a record of all my sins. And so when I go up to him and I say, hey, I never killed anybody. I'm not that bad. As if you have talked to people and you ask them about salvation, they'll always start coming. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And they'll start coming up with all these excuses thinking that, well, you know, I'm not that bad, so my sins aren't written down. No, your sins are written down. If you're here this morning, your sins are written down. So that when you get to heaven, you will not have any excuse. Because God's also going to write down, well, you know what? On January, what's today, the 5th, 6th? 6th, 2019, there was a knucklehead in Queen Creek that was telling you I loved you and that you needed a savior because you were a sinner and you rejected that. So don't blame me. I'm just going by what's on the records here. Now, as a believer, and again, this is what I like about my Bible. I don't know if I can do this with a phone. When I receive Jesus as my Savior, now what's on record in heaven? This is what's on record in heaven. There's not one sin on record in heaven. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all sin. Does that mean I don't sin? No, unfortunately, I do. I'll never be sinless, but I should be sinning less. Big difference. So grace and communion, even as we participated in this morning, doesn't mean we have the freedom to go out and sin because I'm forgiven. You'll see what Paul addresses that in Corinthians, and he has very specific words for that. Two words, God forbid. God forbid. That's not what grace is about. That's not what God's forgiveness is about. It's about his cleansing blood. Yet because of God's loving forgiveness through the cross, believers can boldly approach the throne of grace. And that's what this believer is doing in Psalm 130 here. Because we read in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's mercy and grace is always there. We just forget to tap into it. Now, we don't say this, but we often do this. I got it, God. I got it. I'll take care of this one myself. And then it blows up in your face or my face, and I go, oh, that's right. I should have prayed. You see, as I read this psalm, it expresses the, to me, it expresses the heart that knew what it meant to be separated from God due to sinful actions. Notice what it says in verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities. Who's ever writing this? Possibly David. Kind of sounds like David, but possibly, but doesn't matter. Whoever wrote it understood, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You see, it grieved the psalmist's heart to have it so that that separation from God. But he had also come to know that God would forgive him if he repented, as verse shows us, but there is forgiveness with you. That's why the author goes on to say in verses 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. That's important. Again, the soul there, that 
inner person that you are, your personality, everything about you. That's what the soul is talking about in the scriptures. So not my mind waits, not my body just waits. No, my whole being, as he cried out in verse one there, out of the depths I have cried to you. He goes on to say, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord, and I actually have this verse highlighted, more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Again, there's that separation that is taking place, and it was grievous. The psalmist longed to be made right with God again. And those three words in the Hebrew, I wait for, it means to bind together, to bind together. Perhaps... In parentheses, perhaps by twisting, perhaps by twisting. So that gives us a mental picture of what? That's the class in Ecclesiastes. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. So allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to me. You see, what was binding the psalmist to the Lord? That he was a Democrat? That he was a Republican? That he had a lot of money? That he was white? That he was black? That he was a male instead of being a female? Is that what made him right with God? Look at the word. Look at what the word says. And in his word, I do hope. Not my feelings, not my mate, not my family, not my job, not my career, not my position, my power, my prestige. No, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you. And in 2019, guys, everything may fall apart in your life or in my life. I have no idea. It could. What am I going to trust in? What are you going to trust in? What happens if the economy totally falls apart like it did in OA? What are you going to trust in? What am I going to trust in? What happens if a family member gets a, a fatal disease? Or a family member dies all of a sudden? Like I shared with you just a few minutes ago. What happens? We have to go back and what? Trusting in the word of God. You see, he had a hope that could only be satisfied through the word. And unfortunately, that is rare in our culture today. It's, it's sad, but it's a reality. You see, the promises found in God's word is compared to someone who is longing for the break of day. And the picture, the mental picture that I get is that, that night watchman that night watchman walking around the walls of Jerusalem, he's guarding the city against attack. And he's longing for the sun to come up. His shift was over, and the city was kept safe for another day. And it's interesting how the enemy loves to attack at night, the spiritual enemy, especially when a person isn't, person is not feeling well. And I'm sure many of you could identify this with this. That person yearns for the morning. There's just something about the sun coming up and exposing and dispelling the darkness. Well, as we get into the word of God in 2019, and we have daily reading schedules at our agape boxes. They're free. Take one. If you do the reading schedule, you don't have to do this to be saved. This is not legalism. So don't even go down that road. This is an encouragement to get into the word of God. 
If you do the daily reading schedule, as I do myself personally, not for you, but for me personally, you'll read through the New Testament two times per year. You'll read through the Old Testament once per year. That's a lot of the word getting in here. Now the Holy Spirit has something to work with down here in the center or the soul of our being. If not, what does, he, what does the Holy Spirit have to work with? Just think about your own mind. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to answer. But what has he got to work with? In my life, not a whole lot. There's not a lot up there. But once I get the word of God in there, now he's got something to work with. The enemy must flee even in the darkest parts of the spiritual battle that might be going on for you and me. So even this is a, this is a reference to a physical thing, I would like to also make it a reference to a spiritual thing because it is as well for the psalmist here. I long for the word, the answer from the word, just like the watchman. Just like the watchman is longing for the sun to come up. Okay, everything's fine. Another night, safe. Guys, that's for you and me as whatever comes into our lives in 2019. Keep your eyes on God. Watch for God. Watch for God. Because everything is going to be okay. Might not be okay the way we want it to be okay, but I can guarantee you it will be okay. So from a personal standpoint to now a national standpoint, because the psalmist has firsthand experience, he encouraged the whole nation to wait upon God's redemptive power. For you and I, um, we, I, I know you probably realize this, but if there's one person in here that doesn't, let me just say it. The rest of you, just hang in there. I really have no effect on the President of the United States. I can whine about him till the cows come home. It's, it's not going to make a bit of difference, just so you know. I don't have a phone in my office. I can't talk to him or any of the other senators for that matter. Try to get a hold of your senator and see how easy it is. I've done this before. I didn't get a hold of him, but I did because I had a friend who was a friend of a friend. It's very hard to get a hold of your senator. That's just the way it is. That's just reality. But you know, there's people around me and there's people around you. There's four, six, eight, ten, maybe twenty people that are watching your Christian walk in your workplace. They're listening to your Christian talk in your workplace. They're listening to you bash our president or bash a nationality or bash whatever it might be. And they're just going, oh, okay. You're one of those Christians. And now our testimony and our influence is done. Guys, just remember, you have an influence. Every single one of you in this room, young or old, you have an influence for God. And as the psalmist says here, O Israel, hope in the Lord. You and I, as we go into 2019 and people go through things that you and I go through, we can say, have a hope in God. I'm sorry that you're going through that. But have a hope in God. God loves you. I'm just here to tell you. God loves Get out of my face. I don't want to know your religious stuff. All right. But I want you to know, God does love you. And I will be praying for you. I don't need your prayers. Okay. I'm going to pray for you. And then you pray for him. And all of a sudden, a week or two goes by, a month goes by, and they come up to you and they say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did. Thank you for praying for me. I don't understand what you're talking about, but, and I really don't care, but I do want to apologize. 
That happens, guys. I worked for Motorola for 12 and a half years. That happens. I'm just giving you practical life experience. That happens. Steadfast, love people, pray for people, forget the president, pray for him as we should do, but don't get hung up in all this stuff that's going on. Get hung up in the people around you that you can affect, that you can point, as the psalmist does. Oh, Israel, the nation, you're the whole nation. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And what is he talking about? He's talking about his own life. I've been forgiven. Isn't that what the psalmist is? I think that's what the psalmist is talking about. Just in context. If you want to find the text, just read. I mean, if you want to find the context, just read the text. In the text, he's crying about, you've forgiven me. You've forgiven others. So what should we do as a nation? Repent. That's what he's basically saying. Israel, repent. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. Notice that for you and I. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're not ambassadors for our country. Although when I go out of country, as we're going to in March, I will behave as a Christian, and I will behave as an American. But I behave as a Christian first. Because if I'm behaving as a biblical Christian, then it doesn't matter what my nationality is, right? So I behave as a biblical Christian. Oh, yes, by the way, I'm American. Big deal. I'm going to heaven. That's where I'm going. doesn't matter what happens to America. I'm going to heaven. And so with him is redemption. People need to know how to be saved. They need to understand that there is salvation. Because there is eternal life. And everyone knows they're marching there. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquity or their iniquities. So even the psalmist here proclaims, as Jesus said in the New Testament, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven apart from me. No one. There's no other name, Peter says, In Acts, there's no other name under heaven whereby men, women, children can be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. I know you all know this, but there might be one person here that doesn't. And those of us who know it need to go out these doors as we enter our mission field and keep our focus on heaven. And that I'm an ambassador for Christ this week. Who needs Jesus? We can all argue about everything else, but who needs Jesus this week? Because guys, that's, we, only, we, only, we might only get 10 seconds for somebody. And they need to know God loves you. God has a plan. I'll be praying for you. You may never ever see him again. But you just planted that seed in their heart and in their mind. And the Holy Spirit will work on them and work on them more. Just like he did you. Just like the Holy Spirit did to me, didn't he? It was a bunch of people. And if you look back in your life, you can go, well, I know so-and-so. And I remember so-and-so. You know so-and-so. Or you might forget, but when you get to heaven, you won't forget. God will bring it all to remembrance. You see, the word, the word tells us that redemption can only come through Jesus, no matter what a person has done. You see, this world offers no true hope. Matter of fact, a lot of people are seeing their hope vanish right in front of their eyes. But just like Israel, God will redeem and cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, praise God. Psalm 131, very short psalm, three verses, but again, a song of ascents. So again, they would be reading this, they would be singing this as they were approaching Jerusalem. They might again even be singing this as they were going up the southern steps. 
those steps that led up to the Temple Mount, the entrance to go up onto the Temple Mount, which will be there in a few months. A song of a sense of David. And again, David lived a thousand BC. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. I find that very interesting right there. With all those fancy words, it just comes down to pride. You see, David wasn't a proud person, even though he had much to be proud of. He came from a very, very humble background. He was a shepherd. But David raised him up to be king over all of Israel. He was gifted as a soldier, and he knew how to lead as well as command those under him. He gained tremendous respect from his peers. And through David, Israel expanded its borders and gained respect from its neighbors. The land of Israel, the size of New Jersey today. Do a little bit of your own research. It was huge. It was huge. Actually, Israel went up above Damascus as you read the scriptures. So it's not like they need to give up more land. They should actually get a bunch more land given to them. And God will take care of that during the millennial reign of Christ. You see, King David also brought into the kingdom vast amounts of wealth, which he dedicated to the Lord for the building of the future temple by his son Solomon. Yet he knew that there were some things that were above his knowledge. And so he sought the Lord and the Lord answered him. You see, David was able to walk in a humble spirit. Why? He knew his own limitations. And I would encourage you, if you don't have that, to just ask the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Knowing his own limitations, he looked to God consistently and constantly. Is there anybody else in the Bible that did that? How about that mighty God, that mighty guy, Saul, who knew the first five books, the Torah, who knew the first five books, books of the word, word perfect. Memorized. Anybody in here, does anybody in here have that? The first five books of the Bible memorized word perfect? He was above his peers, he says in the scriptures. He was one of the most holy rabbis in the land, he proclaimed. But he came to know Jesus. And he allowed, that's key, he allowed God to break him. And he became one of the most humble people of the New Testament. He allowed God to break him. Of what? Pride. Pride. Pride is very, very dangerous. You see, because David had a relationship with God, he had a peace that most people will never find, unfortunately. They try to find it in all the wrong places. Verse 2, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. So here we get this picture. He uses an analogy of a child who has been weaned from their mother. And this usually, in that day and age, this usually took place between three and four years old. Ouch for you ladies. That's what I'm thinking. Ow. 
But by this time, the child obviously would know that their mother loved them and that it was time for them to drink from a cup. There was still security and safety in the arms of their mother, yet the child needed to mature in their relationship with their mother. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Because there is a time of weaning, so to speak, for the Christian, for the believer. And unfortunately, this doesn't take place again very often. Unfortunately. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. And if you don't have a Bible, please pick one up. And the team always does a great job of putting a slide up. If you're not familiar with the Bible, don't be embarrassed. That little white cross tells you where Hebrews is. That's 66 books of the Bible. So just go towards the back. Look for one of those other books around it. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, notice that, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. And you have come to need meat, milk, and not solid food. Can't eat the meat of the word. You're still sucking on the Bible. You're still sucking on the Bible. You gotta get to the meat of the Bible. But solid food, or the deep truths of the Word of God, can I trust in God? Can I really trust in God? I don't know. I think I better still do this, or I still better do that. Get into the meat, because you're still sucking on the Bible. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, notice that, for 2019, that those who have been reason of use, in other words, they're reading their Bible. They're reading all of it, not just picking and choosing, not like, well, you know, I did a devotional, I read two verses this morning. That's great, but that's not going to cut it. You need to read the whole Word of God. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use... Notice this, have their senses exercised. Senses, taste, touch, smell, hear, sight, their senses. I know that's not right because the Bible says it's not right. Not because the pastor or my parents or somebody else says it. No, the Bible says it. So your senses, all of your senses start to become in tuned with God because you're reading the word of God. Notice exercised. I won't ask you to raise your hand. How many people in America in December said after the holidays, I'm going to commit to exercising. That's my New Year's resolution. And it's the sixth. And how many people have exercised the last six days that made that proclamation in December? It gets broken very, very quickly. Well, it's cold outside. Well, you know, there's still some leftover food I got to finish. Okay. No, exercising our senses in the word of God to do what? To discern both good and evil. I was mad yesterday. I was mad. I was grumpy. I didn't display it a lot, but my wife got a little bit of it. Because I I was reading the news. I don't read a lot of it, because I'd really be mad. But I'm just like, isn't this kind of obvious what you're doing is wrong? Swearing at our president? Isn't that kind of obvious? That that's not healthy? I'm just like, you have no discernment. 
You have no discernment. But you and I, we should be able to know better and go, you know what? That's just, that's just evil. That's just evil. No matter what the man's doing, that's just evil. I gotta pray for the guy. Cause in our own minds, we might be thinking, yeah, well, I agree with you. I'm just not gonna say it, but yeah, I agree with you. Okay, there's a problem there. Romans 13. God ordained it. Get over it. And pray for him. Cause God has a plan. Just like he had a plan with Nebuchadnezzar. You think the Israelites liked Nebuchadnezzar at the time? You either bow, well, I'm going to cut your head off. No, king, we don't care what you say. We serve the God of heaven, and we will not bow to you, and we will not listen to your command. And through their testimony, I believe, Nebuchadnezzar came to know God in a personal way. And we'll see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven because of Daniel and the three other young men from Israel. So, guys, people are watching our testimony. And you and I, we can discern both good and evil. You see, David found comfort in his relationship with God, for God carried him through some very hard times. And through that process in David's life, he had learned to trust the Lord in all things. Remember, or maybe you don't know this, but for those of you who do, remember that when David was anointed, that he had to flee from Saul for possibly up to 10 years he had married the king's daughter. He was son-in-law to the king, which means he had everything at his beckoning call and in one day lost it all and was homeless, living under the stars and trying to find food to eat. He trusted in God because of his life experiences. He was able to have peace to quiet his soul, even in the midst of adverse circumstances. That takes spending time with God. That takes surrender so that maturity happens, and that takes dedication and determination. You see, David's growth was dependent not upon another person, as we see, and it's going to happen, as there are people who want us to become, all of us to become dependent upon the government to take care of us, but upon his own humility and submission to the Lord. Now, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me, David said. Whatever happens, God's going to take care of me. But he determined to do to make that decision. And maybe you're here this morning and you're dependent on somebody else. Or maybe you're dependent on alcohol and you just can't wait to get out of here. Or you're dependent on drugs and maybe you're high even right now. God loves you. You might not get anything else or hear anything else. God loves you. And so you and I, we have to become dependent totally upon the Lord. And that takes humility and submission. Again, because he had that relationship with the Lord, he was able to remain calm, knowing that God would work the problems out. Verse 3, O Israel, so again, taking it from the personal to the national, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Isn't that a great prayer? That's a great prayer, isn't it? But not shortly after David's death, not even 40 years after David's death, the kingdom was in idol worship. His son Absalom, Solomon, who started out so strong in his later years of the kingdom, was worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth with many wives. Well, it never happened to me. <laughs> if it happened to the wisest guy on the face of the earth, and it happened to the richest guy on the face of the earth, don't kid yourself. I don't kid myself. 
It could happen to me. It could happen to you. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. So do what? Hope. Verse 3, hope. It means that word hope there, it means to wait, to wait, to wait. And how many times have I as a pastor longed for others to hope and trust in the Lord, but they end up turning the other way. They refuse to stop going down the path they're on. You see, they don't trust in the word, but rather choose to make their own poor choices based upon feelings and misguided misguided counsel from the word. You see, the word of God stands true and will benefit anyone who turns to it. But there does need to be a desire to mature, and maturing takes time and patience. It takes waiting upon the Lord, and this is one of the major problems in our society today. What do we want? We want it now. We want it now. Why is this internet so slow? This took three seconds for this page to come up. What is going on? Reboot the system. Something, there's a problem. You see, if we can't have it now, then we'll find some way of getting it. That's our mentality, unfortunately, in America. Even if you have to sacrifice something of far more value for it. Let that sink in. Even if you have to sacrifice something far more value for it. Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus. And Lord, in 2019, we need to stay focused on what you have done for us. According to your word, this world is going to hell. We have the great news of the gospel on how they can get to heaven. We know according to your word that there has to be a one world government, that there has to be a one world religion, that there will be a one world economy. Father, we thank you and praise you for the days we're living in because we see it. We're there. It's just a matter of time before somebody flips a switch and we're totally computerized. So, Father, we thank you that no matter what happens in 2019, we know, we know that you are God. And we can trust in you. We can look back and see how you always took care of us. And so we, through our experiences, as but more importantly, through your word, know that you're going to work it for the good in our lives. And so we thank you ahead of time, Father. You know, as the saints are praying, maybe you're here this morning and you have very little, if any, hope for 2019. And that might be because you don't have Jesus as your Savior. So I would like to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior right now. To start off 2019 acknowledging that you are a sinner as all of us, most of us in this room have done, that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. And I want you to know that God loves you and Jesus is that Savior. But you, individually, as people around you right now, love you and are praying for you. They're interceding in that spiritual gap that you don't understand. But they're interceding for your soul right now because they love you so much. And if you get this sense... It's not from a taco or a burrito. 
if you get this sense, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, yes, you are a sinner. You need a Savior. Receive Jesus right now. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't push him away. But follow that leading right now. It's not about a feeling or an emotion. That's conviction. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin. So just pray this simple prayer with me. And if you pray this prayer in sincerity, you will become, like most of us are in this room, a son, a daughter of God. Pray this simple prayer. God, I get it. I don't understand it all. But I do get, I understand that I am a sinner, which means I need a Savior. So God, I accept Jesus right now. I invite Jesus into my life. I surrender right now. I invite your Holy Spirit who authored the Bible. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life right now. And I thank you, God, for accepting me just the way I am. And I also thank you that you won't leave me. But according to your word, I will never be forsaken. I am now your son. I am now your daughter. Thank you that I can now call you father. My father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for that wonderful free gift of salvation. So Lord, as we go out into our mission field, help us to stay focused. Help us not to get caught up in politics, in racism, in any type of division, but help us to get just stay focused on the calling you've placed on our lives to serve you because you first loved us, to serve you with all of our abilities, just to just show that that love relationship that we have with you. And again, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit as we leave to our mission field. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. And again, Saturday morning, prayer, 8.30 to 9.30. We'd love to see you. Come on out. And if you would like prayer, come up. But if you'd also like to put in a prayer request, there's slips of paper on top of each box. Fill out that request. We pray for that request for three months. And then we just keep rotating requests. So feel free. Put in a request. God bless you guys. Have a great week.
the guy who always sees us, even in barren, desperate seasons. No matter what the circumstance, you are the rock on which I stand. You are the guy who always sees us, even in barren, desperate seasons. No matter what the circumstance, you are the rock on which I stand. You are bigger than all my fears, God of love, God my love. You are bigger than all my dreams, God my hope, God my peace. Whatever will come my way, through each day I will say.